Hello, Bucknutters. This is Alex Whiteman, your host of Bucknuts Recruiting Radio. I'm here with 24-7 sports recruiting expert Bill Green. Bank, thanks for joining the show. Hey, glad to be here, Alex. Cool. Well, you know, your expertise obviously uh, covers not only just Ohio but a lot of the country, but, you know, you are based in Ohio and you probably are the number one source uh, not only in our network but in the entire country on players in the Buckeye State. And Ohio State, interestingly enough, has uh, come in with a couple, I guess you would call them late offers, uh, based off uh, midseason film from prospects in Ohio. They've offered linebacker Tommy Eichenberg and offensive lineman uh, J.D. Duplain in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we want to kind of bring you on and talk a little bit about these two guys. Let's start with Tommy Eichenberg, a linebacker who now I saw – He's raised in the 24-7 sports rankings. He's, a, he's now, I think, around 260, 265. He's a four-star. He's now a four-star in the composite. Currently committed to Boston College. Ohio State's obviously trying to change that. Before we get into his recruitment, let's talk a little bit about Tommy as a player. I was really impressed with the video uh, that you captured a, a few weeks back and put up on the site. Uh, everyone needs to go check that out. If you haven't yet, you can find that under Tommy's profile uh, and, and kind of uh, scroll down to, to the stories on there. But, um, Bill, you know, you've seen him up close and personal. Tell us a little bit about Tommy Eichenberg as a player. Yeah, he's 6'3", and, you know, you love the length. He's about 225, 230 pounds. Um, I don't think he's a, a, a dramatic weight lifter yet, so I'm kind of anxious to see what he turns into, you know, when he gets to the college level and gets in a strength and conditioning program, um, he can run, you know, and I think that's what surprises people. He's a three-down linebacker. He's not a, you know, first-down run plugger, and then you got to get him off the field in passing situations. He's really good in passing situations. You can see that in the film that I put up. That film was against Cincinnati Elder. They're scoring – 30, 40 every week, and they play big-time competition. Well, they didn't get 30 or 40 against his team. They struggled to get seven. They wouldn't have had seven, but they blocked the punt and had a bit really, you know, inside the 10-yard line, or they wouldn't have scored all day, and they could have played for hours, and it was because of Tommy. Um, you know, if you run the ball, he's, he's going to get you. He's a tremendous blitzer, and I think people sometimes don't understand that blitzing is not about being the fastest guy on the field. If you get caught up in the wash, your speed is worthless. He has the knack that great pass rushers have, and he knows angles. Um, he's tremendous as a blitzer, great in coverage, great run stopper, can run sideline to sideline. Um, when Ohio State took Kane Patterson, I couldn't believe they took you know took him over Tommy Eichenberg. At the time, their rankings were there was a big gap there, but I sure didn't see it. And I had Tommy Eichenberger as a Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State guy, you know, since I saw him last – well, last year. He was tremendous last year. He had 135 tackles or whatever. And he was really good this winter um, at the Under Armour thing that was in Cleveland in February. So I'm totally sold on the guy. I think he could play at Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, you, you name it. He's one of the best linebackers in the country in my opinion. And have felt that way for a while. So I think it's a great offer by Ohio State. Um, you know, ideally, it would have been better if it was made a few months ago before he made his commitment. But I still think there's a great chance that he's going to end up at Ohio State. But, you know, it's tough to flip these kids when they're 
good, high-quality character kids. It bothers them, you know, even though in their heart they may think, man, I'd like to be at Ohio State rather than Boston College. It's going to be hard for him to decommit. So, that you know, that's my thoughts on Tommy Eichenberg. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say uh, on your last point, uh, from what I gather, um, while I do, you know, my crystal ball is in for Ohio State, and I know yours is in as well, you know, I, I, I do think that this is not as easy a decision as most people think. Of course, I, I know both Tommy and Liam Eichenberg actually grew up Ohio State fans. Liam, obviously now an offensive lineman starting for Notre Dame. Um, but, you know, I, I know Tommy really likes Steve Adazio and his staff at Boston College, and Urban Meyer told his own son, you know, think about all the coaches that are recruiting you. Who's going to be the hardest to say no to? That's where you should go. And Steve Adazio and his staff have made it really hard for Tommy Eichenberg to say no to them. I mean, they took a chance on him first, um, you know, before Ohio State. They've been they've maintained that relationship, you know, for now probably a couple years. Um, he's committed to them, and I think a commitment means something to a guy like Tommy Eichenberg. Obviously a kind of once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for an Ohio kid to go to Ohio State and play college football there. Um, you know, is on the table, and that's going to be the decision he has to make. I think eventually he is going to flip to Ohio State, but what are your thoughts on how this recruitment plays out, both from a decision standpoint and from, uh, I guess, a timing standpoint? Yeah, that that would be really, really tough to say. Um, the ball's in his court, and like I say, I, I think the normal – the everyday fan that's not involved in recruiting just thinks, oh, you got the offer from Ohio State, he'll take it on the spot. It doesn't work that way. You know, that Boston College has fostered relationships with Tommy, you know. Um, Scott Leffler recruits Ohio. He's got a great relationship with Tommy. Ohio State hasn't talked to him hardly at all. He doesn't even know them. So it's not the automatic thing that, oh, my God, Urban Meyer just offered. I'm taking it, you know. That can happen, but, you know, it's not going to happen in this case. And there's some work that needs to be done. You've got to build a relationship with Tommy Eichenberg. And you're now trying to build a relationship with a kid that you basically said wasn't good enough a couple months ago. So this is not all that easy. It's a little complicated. A real interesting sidelight to this one is the fact that Steve Adazio and Urban Meyer are great friends. So that's a, that's a sidelight here, too. So now Urban's trying to take one of his buddies' top recruits. And Steve Adazio's son is actually on Urban staff, so this, there's a there's a nice dynamic here, kind of interesting to see. I, you know, my feeling is that Tommy Eichenberg will end up being a Buckeye, but man, this is like I say, it's not the slam dunk that people would think it would be. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, and you know, with that said, moving on to a guy who might be a little bit more of a slam dunk, um, you know, than than most people would think. Uh, Strongsville offensive lineman, J.D. Duplain, um, before we kind of get into the recruiting aspect of it, because this is a guy who's committed to Michigan State right now and a, another guy Ohio State would have to flip. Tell us a little bit about J.D. Duplain as a as a player, because I haven't seen him, uh, seen the film his senior year. I was honestly a little bit surprised to see them offer this early. I think their bigger need is offensive tackle versus offensive guard uh, or center. I think it's always easier to move an outside guy inside versus the other way around. And so, I was a little bit surprised uh, to see the offer this early to J.D. Duplain. Again, I haven't watched his senior film or seen him live um, this year just yet. Um, I think he's a, a solid Ohio, Ohio lineman prospect. I would probably do pretty well at Michigan State. But, again, not having seen him and, and thinking the bigger need is tackle. I know they do need linemen in the room. But tell us a little bit about J.D. Duplain and, and what Ohio State potentially could be getting if they're able to flip him from Michigan State. 
Yeah, I just saw him like two weeks ago. Um, they played Solon, and he was very good. They do play him at left tackle on their high school team, but he's not playing tackle at the college level. He's, he's kind of a shorter arm kid, a, a, a 6'3-ish you know, kid. He's not 6'5", long arm kid. But, boy, he's a bad dude, you know. He is a – I would compare him to Pat Elfline when both of them were seniors. I think they're similar players in, you know, as high school seniors. Of course, you know, Pat Elfline really blossomed at Ohio State. And some of these guys that are similar don't blossom, and they end up transferring out. So you never know. Um, you know, hard work is still the answer here. So there's plenty of work that would need to be done by J.D. Duplain to become Pat Elfline and not become Kyle Trout. So we'll see there. I like him. I'm surprised by the offer. I mean, they need tackles, you know, but I think as they're – what they really need is depth here. They took three last year, and they wanted five. They have three committed right now, and they want five or six. So it, it's kind of a working their way down the board thing. Is, and as you see that, you know, Darnell Wright, it doesn't look so good anymore and, you know, they're going to get a visit out of Trevor Keegan, but I don't think anybody has Ohio State as the lead dog there. You know, it's just you're working your way down your down your list. And I think J.D. Duplain can play at Ohio State. I really do. I think he, I think he's at Elfline. If things work out great, and if things don't work out great, he's Kyle Trout. So we'll see. We'll see. The potential's there to be a multi-year starter at Ohio State as either a center or a guard. I mean, if he, if he has the potential to be Pat Elfline, that's obviously pretty good. That's a guy who was a Remington Trophy winner. He was an all-Big Ten performer at guard as well. He's blossoming in the NFL uh, for the Minnesota Vikings at center right now. So I think that, you know, that, that ceiling is certainly something for Ohio State fans to potentially be excited about if, if they are able to flip him from Michigan State. And speaking of that, uh, you know, I, I, I obviously saw your crystal ball um, poking around. I feel the same way. But do you see uh, this happening to Ohio State, and do you see it happening soon? Um, I do see it happening. I do know the family. J.D. Duplain plays at Strongsville um, up near Cleveland. His family, his dad and his uncle are from Canton, where I'm from, and I've known his uncle, know people that know them. They're Ohio State fans. And this is going to be tough for J.D. because he has great relationships with Mark Staten, Jim Bowman at Michigan State. Well, now he has no relationship at Ohio State, and you basically told him he wasn't good enough in March, and now you rush back in, and it's like, hey, we love you, we want you, and so naturally there's a little bit of a – you're looking at him kind of squinty out of your eye right now, like, wait a minute, I sucked a little bit ago, and now I'm great. So you got to get through that, and that's what recruiting is all about. That's, you know, you it's sales. You're selling. You're either getting the purchase order or, or the other guy's getting the purchase order. So I do think Ohio State can win this one. You know, very similar to Nick Samack at Menor. When Ohio State showed all that love to Noah Potter and Ryan Jacoby, and, you know, they didn't even look at Nick Samack. They didn't know he was alive until they needed him. And then it's like, hey, man, we want you. We love you. And he was like, forget it. Forget it. You know, Michigan State's been with me from the beginning. So I think there's no chance to flip Samac. But J.D. Duplain, um, just from knowing the family and talking to them, I, I think there's a window here. But I don't think it's a slam dunk. 
But my pick will be that J.D. Duplain will flip to Ohio State. But, like I said, I don't think it's one of those where you snap your fingers and he comes running. So, could take a while here. Let's, let's let it play out, see what happens. Um, I, I feel that he will flip, but I can't come on here and say definitely it's over. Interesting stuff, and, you know, it's going to be exciting to follow those two Ohio guys and, and see if Ohio State's able to flip them from a couple other Power 5 programs. And while we're on that topic, uh, are there any other Ohio kids for 2019 that you're looking at right now that you could see Ohio State moving on with an offer that maybe they haven't uh, in the next few months? You know, you've got to look at that defensive tackle group because they're pretty good. Um, I like that group of defensive tackles in Ohio with, you know, guys like Isaiah Gibson, Kayvon Butler, Rodas Johnson, Jawan Briggs. You know, there's a big group of them there that are all power five kids. Anthony Booker is really good. So I don't think they're getting Tyler Davis. And then it kind of, you know, it opens up at the D tackle spot. Took three last year. Um, the room's pretty well stocked in terms of depth. So I don't know. I mean, D tackle's always a, you know, it's always a crucial spot. It's always a priority spot just because of the nature of the position. But I don't know that it is this year after that haul they got last year. So if they do look to jump into Ohio, you know, I think they've kind of picked the O-line crew clean here with, with uh, J.D. Duplain. But then I would look at, you know, to me I would have Isaiah Gibson at the head of that list. And then you're looking at Juwan Briggs, Kayvon Butler, Rodas Johnson, Anthony Booker. You know, there are defensive tackles that are going to play power football, power five football next year. So, But truthfully, I, I really don't see another Ohio offer right now. Good stuff. And, you know, there's always twists and turns and surprises late in the game. I think Eichenberg and, and Duplain are kind of two of those so far. So we'll see where that takes us. Um, speaking of an Ohio guy that Ohio State absolutely does want, Zach Harrison, defensive end, Olin Tangy Orange. Uh, he just came off a visit to Penn State for the whiteouts, saw the Buckeyes get a victory uh, on Saturday night and saw uh, a great environment at Penn State. Uh, I'm sure that had to be impressive to him. I, he also saw a tremendous performance by the Ohio State defensive line uh, without Nick Bosa, so that had to be impressive to him as well. It seems like it's down to Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. It's been that way for a while at this point. Um, and, I, you know, I know we both agree on this. If Zach knew where he was going, he would make a commitment and get this over with. He does not like uh, the recruiting process. He doesn't like the attention, um, the media spotlight, things of that nature. But give us a little update in your mind. Where are things with Zach Harrison, and, and what do you think Ohio State's chances are with, with the five-star prospect? Well, I think they're going to get him. And that, you know, is worth, you know, probably nothing. Because you're not getting anything out of this kid, man. I mean, Bill Corellick's done a great job trying to, you know, open up the onion here and look inside. It's not that easy. Zach does not give a lot away, doesn't do a lot of interviews. When he does do interviews, I mean, you know, he he, he would be a great politician because he, you know, he doesn't speak much and he doesn't say anything when he does. So you're not going to get anything on this decision. This is I just think at the end of the day, I think relationships win the day in recruiting. You know, it's not like, oh, Ohio State beat Penn State last Saturday. So that gives Ohio State the edge. You know, no, the outcome of games really means nothing in recruiting. It's relationships. It's comfort in relationships. Is Zach more comfortable 
being closer to his mom and dad, and I know he has a great relationship with Larry Johnson. To me, that's what I'm hanging my hat on when I make a crystal ball prediction of Zach Harrison to Ohio State. It's not like he's whispering in my ear, hey, I'm, I'm going to end up going to Ohio State. Please don't tell anyone, but you can put a crystal ball pick in. That's not what happened here. I'm just trying to read the tea leaves from doing this for 15 years. <clears throat> you know, I think at the end of the day, the relationship with Larry Johnson is going to win that day for Ohio State, plus being able to stay close to home. It's going to be an easy Saturday for mom and dad to be able to see him play. Um, but it would not shock me to see him go to either Penn State or Michigan, mainly because he has not made up his mind yet. If he, you know, went to bed last night thinking that it was going to be one of these three schools, and if he got up this morning and really felt that, yep, that's my school, I think he would commit today. And, you know, he is not a diva. He does not enjoy this. He's not teasing fans on Twitter, leaving little hints. He's not trolling for followers. He's a conflicted kid. And he's got three great choices. And, of course, fans of all three schools can't understand why he hasn't already committed to their school. But it's not how this works. This is business. This is, you know, the fan stuff kind of comes out of this. This is a business decision that's going to affect him the rest of his life. I think he could put all three schools in a hat, pull one out, and he could end up being an NFL first-round pick. The schools are all great schools, all great academically. They're all doing great on, on the field. They're all developing their D linemen. So it's going to come down to who is he most comfortable with. And I don't think it's going to be a head coach because it rarely is. Head coach, you know, you're not going to talk to the head coach when you get to college that often, unless you're an All-American or unless you flunk your fifth drug test and you're about to get booted. Other than that, you're not <laughs> talking to the head coach that much. You will talk to your position coach on a daily basis. He is your daddy. So that's where I think Larry Johnson will win the day here. You know, a long-winded answer to cut to the chase. I think comfort and relationships matter in recruiting. I think he's very comfortable with Larry Johnson. I think he trusts his future with Larry Johnson, and I think he's going to pick Ohio State. Yeah, I'm with you all the way there. I think he's a Zach is a very is someone who's very close to his family. Um, and while you know Ann Arbor or Happy Valley State College, Pennsylvania aren't all that far from Columbus, they could still come to every single game of his. I think that's going to be an important part. The fact that. They're just 20 minutes down the road. And as you said, I think his relationship with Larry Johnson, out of all the position coaches recruiting him, is probably the strongest. And that's nothing that's not taken away from Greg Madison or Sean Spence or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, at, at, at the end of the day, that's what's going to win out for Ohio State with Zach Harrison. I think the fact that he's going on these visits to Michigan, to Penn State, and not turning around and making decisions saying that's my school. Uh, obviously, you want him to jump on Ohio State earlier, but I think, I think they get him back on campus one more time. They make him feel comfortable. And when he's ready to make the decision, I think that's where he's going to go. But, you know, as as you also said, I think this can go any of the three ways. He doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't uh, show his cards. And, and so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what ends up happening because whoever gets him is getting a true five-star athletic freak who has the potential to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft whenever that time comes for him. Obviously, some development definitely needs to happen on his end, but he, he has that potential. So uh, it's a great battle in the Big Ten East. And, you know, just moving outside of that, a guy who is committed to Ohio State, kind of the last guy we'll touch on here, uh, is Jordan Battle, uh, defensive back from St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, committed to the Buckeyes, 
but he's been looking around a little bit. Uh, once the Urban Meyer thing happened, a lot of the vultures came in, Alabama, Oklahoma, Miami has been there kind of the whole way. Some other schools um, have been trying to get visits and, 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 and feel that the door is at least cracked slightly open. And Oklahoma was a benefit. Uh, benefiter of the of the first official visit this past weekend. He went with his good friend Jaden Davis, who's committed to the Sooners. Um, came back. He's still committed to Ohio State, um, as Bill Kerlick wrote on our site. Um, Fred, his father, has has said that he's still committed, um, but he's still probably going to take a few more visits. So, Bill, I, I know you've been on top of this one better than anyone with your connections down in South Florida. What's your vibe on Jordan Battle? Uh, what do you think? How do you think this thing's going to play out, and where do you think he's ultimately going to end up signing? I don't think he's going to Oklahoma. Um, good trip. He went with two of his boys, Jaden Davis, like you said. Kenny McIntosh also went with him. I'm sure they had a great weekend. His dad was with him. Um, I've got a good relationship with the South Florida Express 7-on-7 seven seven group. These kids all play for – I don't think he's going to Oklahoma. Um, I think he's going to Ohio State, and I think they're going to be able to keep him. So he is a South Florida kid in Urban Meyer situation or no Urban Meyer situation. He was going to take five visits. Ohio State kind of knew um, what they were dealing with, and that's why if people remember, they didn't bring him in for the spring game weekend when a lot of other recruits came in. They Ideally, they would have loved to kind of brought him in during the season. You hate to have this kid come in April, takes his official visit, commits to you, and now you're playing defense from a 1,000 miles away for, for the next six months. The nice thing here is Jordan and his dad are going to be back in a couple of weeks from the Minnesota game. A lot of times when those kids take the early official visits, you do not get them back on campus again. And it's strictly playing defense. Well, they'll get him back on campus again. They'll love him up for a weekend. Um, Ohio State is really where he wants to be. But he was always going to take five visits. Now he's now taking three. Ohio State, Miami, Oklahoma. I expect the next two to be LSU and Alabama, and those two are threats. Um, I think Ohio State has a huge advantage over them. But, you know, if you asked Urban Meyer, would you prefer he not take those visits or would you prefer he does take those visits? He would say, I do not want him taking those visits. I don't want those visits to take place. I don't think he's going to Oklahoma. Um, I think Miami is a threat. The thing that hurts Miami is I really believe this is a key. You know, there's two schools of thought, the kids that want to stay close to home and then the kids that want to get away from home. And I think Jordan is a get-away-from-home kid. And I think that really hurts Miami. So you gotta you gotta sweat through the LSU visit potential and the potential Alabama visit, and you know, like I say, gun to my head, I I've still got Jordan Battle signing with Ohio State. He loves it there. He, he he loves the coaches. I mean, very comfortable there. Good relationships with Tabor Johnson and that crew, and I I think that's where he's going to end up. But you know, not without some bumps and drama along the way. Yeah, that would be some good news for the Buckeyes. It's almost like getting another commit if you can kind of survive visits to Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, and obviously the hometown Miami and, and keep that guy at the end of the day um, after playing, as you said, eight months of defense. Um, so that would be, you know, good, and, and it would keep Ohio State at 15 commits. But, you know, signing day is now, what are we, in October? So we're we're two months right. away from the, 
two months away or so, two and a half months away from the early signing period. It's it's pretty crazy how quick it's coming up. And as we saw last cycle, I think it will be the same this cycle. Most most of the, the players in America end up signing in the early period. They want to lock that spot in um, and just kind of end things, enjoy the rest of their senior year, or the last few weeks that they're enrolling early. But Ohio State has 15 commits. Obviously, uh, this, this class can number probably anywhere from 22 to 25, depending on how things shake out with the roster. How do you see things finishing off uh, for Ohio State with their 2019 class? Well, they still need um, wide receiver attention. I think they're going to get Wandale Robinson. And, you know, that could complete the package there. They could just go with three there and feel pretty good about that. They're battling for Peyton Powell. I know a lot of people think Ohio State is going to get Peyton Powell. I'm not sold on that, and, and I could be dead wrong there. I could be misreading that situation totally. Um, the O-line situation, you have to, you know, five would probably be the minimum for me. Even if you got a few reaches there, then that's just what it's got to be. You, you can't go three and three two years in a row. So the O-line still needs attention, and that's probably going to get the primary attention going forward. I think they're done at linebacker if they get Eichenberg. Uh, the D-tackle spot that they try to pull, you know, an, an Ohioan, DB-wise, you know, I think they need another corner, too. Um, so there's there's needs there. I mean, definitely needs in this class. So um, an interesting, you know, dynamic is that the two signing days now. Last year there were kids that didn't sign early when 75% of the recruits did, and the kids that were left, I mean, those kids got offers that they got way over-recruited. So – kids that had Mac offers ended up getting power five offers because there was nothing left in the pool. So I'm wondering this year if a lot of these kids will not sign, you know, the big, I think the big timers will, but I'm wondering if these three-star kids that have Mac offers and lower power five offers will just say, I'm not signing. And I'll wait to see if I get offered by Michigan, Ohio state and Notre Dame. Cause that happened last year a lot where a lot of kids had minor offers the pool got thinned out, and they got big-time offers after that. So the the two signing periods really changed things last year, and I'm anxious to see how that works this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're talking – even a kid like Javante Jean-Baptiste, who I think he oh, – yeah, I think he was a four – he was a four-star, but he was, you know, he was probably looking at a Boston College, Virginia Tech type of situation, and then he ends right. up with uh, – and Nebraska in there as well, and then he ends up with Ohio State and – and the great thing is, you know, from all the reports I've actually heard and talking to people, he's actually performing much better than they thought he would, and he's just got to put on a little bit of weight this offseason in the weight room, and they think he can actually be a player for them. But there's going to be a lot of guys, I think, as you said, that end up signing kind of over their heads a little bit, and, and maybe they end up flaming out. So I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing for these kids. Obviously, it's a great opportunity to be able to go play Power 5 versus playing Mac ball, and it opens up other doors outside of football going to some of these bigger schools with the alumni networks and the opportunities that they provide um, off the field as well as on the field. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing to kind of observe uh, the early signing period and the late signing period and how, you know, maybe it's over the next five years or so, how that rule potentially changes and how it, how it impacts players both in a positive and negative way. Because everyone thinks it's a good thing for the players, but I don't necessarily see it that way. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I think there probably could be some changes, but we have to kind of see the true shakeout over the next five years. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, Bill, uh, it was a pleasure. I'm going to let you go. Thanks for being on the show and sharing your insight on some of Ohio State's top targets as well as their 2019 recruiting efforts. We'll have you on again soon. All right, Alex. Thanks a lot, man.